Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, you guys, I have a rule when I go on vacation that I don't go to church. I know that may make me unholy, but that's my rule. I deal with I deal with all these church people all the time, and I decided I wasn't going to go to church. And so I had a former pastor friend of mine. He was like, brother, if I'm breathing, I'm in church. I'm like, well, if I'm on vacation, I'm breathing, I'm on the beach. All right, so that's where I'm at. Um, but uh, so the place we went to on vacation uh, is, and I want to talk a little bit about it, but it's, it's, in, it's in Maine, and it's right outside of Kitty Bunkport, Maine. Uh, and there's a church there called St. Anne's Cathedral. And St. Anne's Cathedral has a huge brick Episcopal church. Um, and uh, I didn't think they let me wear flip-flops, so that's why I didn't go. So, but uh, it's, a, it's a, like a, a beautiful building, just a beautiful building right there on the ocean. And they have a place, they have a drive-through area, like not like, a, like you, what do you want for lunch, but like an actual drive-through that you can drive around. And so, but they have a place where... I don't know how big it is. It's big. But they have a worship center outside that they use, and they open up the season. And sometimes they'll do worship services outside. They have this big marble thing there, and the pastor can put his stuff on there, and he actually speaks right there. And his backdrop is the Atlantic Ocean. So it's pretty awesome. And so what they do is is every year uh, on Father's Day, they open up, so open up that outdoor area. Their first of the year, they open up the season and all this kind of stuff. Well, what I didn't know is, is that right around, literally, when I say right around the corner, I'm talking about like from here to Goobers, all right? That's how close we are, right? Is, is where the uh, President Bush's, uh, they call it the compound, his estate is right there. And this is an estate, it's huge. Uh, and it's right on the ocean, it kind of jets out. Well, we talked about it and... There's two things I don't do on vacation. One is go to church, and the other one is wear long pants. All right, so if I'm on vacation, I don't wear long pants. I'm wearing shorts. So if I can't wear shorts, I don't go. So if there's a restaurant, you have to wear long pants, I'm out. All right, because I'm not going. Uh, I'm not going. I'm not getting that. To me, long pants equals dressed up. This I'm maxed out today. All right, this is it. This is the top of the line. This is what you see, man, is it. And so I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not going uh, to the service. And my brothers were like, both my brothers were there and they were like, man, you need to go to the service, you know, come on and go to the service, hang out with us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. So Wendy was like, well, maybe we should go. And I was like, gosh, I didn't even wear long, bring long pants. And it's, they're all Episcopal and they're all up, you know how Episcopals are, they're uptight, you know, they're kind of, they wear jackets and stupid stuff. They look, you know, they wear loafers that you put pennies in and all that kind of crap. So I was like, I'm not going to do it. So I'm like, I'm out. So, so my brothers, so I'm laying in bed, sleeping, great, and my phone goes, ding, and I didn't answer it. Ding, it did it three or four times. And this is the text message that I got. I think we got the picture. That's my brother, my, my brother, that's my brother wearing a pink shirt. That's him, and my other brother is the one that took the picture. So that is, that is George and Laura Bush that showed up for the service that I didn't go to. Now, let me tell you what's funny about this. What's funny about this is this. 
My brother who went and got to shake his hand and talk to him is a Democrat. <laughs> and so is his wife. And I'm not talking about Democrat of, hey, yeah, I hit D. I'm talking about Democrat. And I'm not, all right, always. And my son is for sure not, all right? But that's what I miss by not going to church. I could have met the president, the former president, and, and the former first lady, and I missed it. And I was depressed the rest of the week. <laughs> so, anyway, listen. I don't care whether I miss it or not. If you guys are on vacation, you can have my permission not to go to church that Sunday, all right? The church is us here. It's not a building, you know what I'm saying? It's great to go if you want to go. That's your deal. Um, I don't personally, but... You know, and I'm sure if a pastor heard me say that, they'd be like, that's heresy. No, it's not. That's not true. It's not heresy. You just miss a Sunday. It's not the end of the world, okay? Miss two or three now, and I'm going to start calling you, but you miss one Sunday. It's not the end of the world. So, listen, you guys, we've been talking about more, and we've covered this topic of more. There's There's a text that says that God wants to give us more than we can ever, ever even imagine or fathom or fathom. That means that we can't even think up the greatness that God actually has for us and wants for us. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, well, I get that, but that's not how my life currently reflects itself. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We've already talked about more, though, in a couple of different ways. The first thing we talked about is we talked about the importance of how it's important to have more connection with God. All right? Have more connection with God. And there's things that we can do in order to have more connection with God. The last time I was here, we talked about more contentment with God. That is, not always looking for the next thing you can get. Not always looking for that next item. What's coming up next? What's down the pike? What's on tap? None of that. We can be content with God. We can be content with what we have. And that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to do that. As a matter of fact, I will let you know this. Most of the time when we're not content with God, what we're saying is, is God, I appreciate what you've given me, but it's not enough. That's kind of what we say. And we don't want to be those kind of people. We don't want to be those kind of people in our lives, and we definitely don't want to be those kind of people and allow that. You know, I don't know if you guys ever had this situation before. Not that I've ever had this situation before, but my kids... Uh, whenever, especially when, when Bailey was, was growing up and the cell phone thing just came about, you know, who knew that we were about to spend, you know, 600 bucks on some piece of device that our kids had to have, right? And then every month had to pay a fee. And so all that kind of hit. And I'll never forget, um, uh, Bailey had a pink flip phone. It was a Razor phone, all right? And when she first got that phone, man, it was amazing. She was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I'll never want another phone ever in my whole, whole life. I'll use this until I'm 90. Right about six months later, they came out with some touchscreen something, and all of a sudden the Razor phone was antiquated, all right? She goes, Dad, it's basically dial-up. What's up? And so, and you know what? That kind of ticked me off because I was still paying for that phone, right? Um, And I was paying a monthly thing, and I was like, you know, I just don't like it because she's really not content. She doesn't seem content with what she has. And I think God feels the same way about us sometimes. It's like, hey, listen, be content with what you have. We've talked about more of the blessing. We did that on Mother's Day where... We as parents, we as parents want to pour out more of the blessing on our children, not necessarily financial blessing, but more of the blessing of a heritage, of a heritage where we decide, hey, this generational curse that's come down the pike, this alcoholism, these things that have come down the pike, it stops with me. It stops with me. It's going to stop with me. And 
one of the things I'm most proud of in our lives, in my brothers and I's lives, and I love hanging out with my brothers, is, is honestly, and I'm not bragging about this at all, but my brothers and I have all decided that the alcoholism generational curse stops with us. And guess what? It has. It stopped with us. None of us are alcoholics. None of us are dependent. None of us are... Let me tell you something. At some point, you have to make the decision that it stops with you. It stops with you. The Scripture says that if we don't make that decision, that it'll be passed down, and the worst thing in the world will happen. Not only will you have that, but then you will pass it down to your children, and they'll pass it down to their children, and they'll pass it down to their children. Well, we want to pass down blessing, not curses, to our children. The next thing I talked about is more community. We talked about how we as a community needed to come together, and we're going to talk a little bit about that actually today, how we have to have kind of have each other's back here as a church, as, as a fellowship. If we see a need, we need to try to meet that need. If, we have, if someone has an issue, we need to go to them and encourage them. The next thing we talked about is having more financial peace, how, how once again being content with what we have and making smart decisions financially can help us, can help us not have that be an area in our lives that's constantly at us. And finally, one of the things I talked about is having more peace and less fear. Being less fearful about what tomorrow brings, but embracing that, knowing that God's already there and that we can trust Him. And those are the things that we've talked about. And those sound really good. Those have all been really, really good topics, and you guys have responded really good to those things. But the question I have for you today is for what? More for what? More for what? Okay, you have more financial peace. Good, good for you. Okay, you have your family and you want to pass down the blessing. Okay, great, great for you. Okay, so you have more peace and less fear. Okay, great. So you've listened to all these things. You've applied some of these principles. God's spoken to you about these things. But the actual question is not necessarily do you have those things. It's for what? Why would God want you to have these things? Why would he want you to have these things? There's a story in the Old Testament in the, in the book of 2 Kings. And the story goes like this. <clears throat> there is a severe famine in the land. And there are four lepers that are outside the city gates. Now, whenever you became a leper in the land, you were pushed out. You were pushed out of the city gates, all right? You were just, these four lepers, they would all huddle. You know, everyone needs community. And so lepers would huddle together. There was four of them outside the city gates. And the Israelites were starving to death because they had been cut off from the food supply. And these four lepers are out there and they're talking. They're like, listen, if we stay here, we're going to starve to death, all right? Why not just go to check out and see what's going on with the people that are starving us to death or that are cutting us off, that are getting ready to attack us. So if they attack us, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. What do we have to lose? And so that's what they did. They started walking toward the camp. Unbeknownst to them, God intervened, and the footsteps as they walked sounded like a massive army coming on. And the people that had all the food, all the supplies... They fled. And so the four lepers, having been cast out, by the way, by, from people, what they did is they, they went into the camp and they ate like hogs, all right? They pigged out, man. They plundered everything and they pigged out. And finally, one of them said this. One of them said, what are we doing? Wait, 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 what are we doing here? What we're doing here is wrong, we're taking all these things for ourselves. God did this for us. 
We need to show the people what God did first. And then we need, we need to let the people know that they no longer have to starve. And so that's what they did. They left the empty camp, came back, told the people at the front, told the gatekeeper, didn't go in and tell the king, told the gatekeeper because they couldn't go in, told the gatekeeper. And people were amazed at what God had done. He had spared their lives with the footsteps of four lepers. And the people came down and they ate and they were blessed. More for what? More for what? I want to tell you three things today that I feel like is the reason why God would want us to have more. And the first one is this. Everything God does in your life has a purpose. I want you to hear this. Everything that God does in your life has a purpose. Everything that God does in your life has a purpose. There is no leftovers. There is no leftovers, and there's nothing, there's nothing that goes to waste. Nothing. The good, the great, the depressing, the bad, the strife, the turmoil, the stress, the unrest, the peace. He takes all of it, and he uses it. There's nothing that goes to waste. Nothing. Everything that God does in your life has a purpose. Friday, as we're getting ready to board, you know, the most depressing thing in the world is having to get on a plane and come home. Isn't it, y'all? You know, you walk through, and you're going, well, here I go. You get, you get, when you're getting ready to get on the plane, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't believe we're going to be there in two hours. I don't do that. I do it inwardly, not outwardly, because that'd be weird. But, but you're walking down, and you got your bags, and you're kind of dragging them behind you, and, you know, and sit down. And, and so I was sitting there, and, and Wendy and Blake had gone off. They, they were on another adventure somewhere. Uh, they were going to see the JFK Library. And so I was sitting there, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to have lunch at some point. I'm going to wait for them, I guess. So I sat there, and I worked on my sermon some and hung out some, and I watched people some. And all of a sudden, I, uh, I saw this place right beside, and they had, they had uh, burgers, all right? And they had, like, regular burgers. And by the way, you ever, you know, the, the burgers in the airport's like $400. All right, they're like, here you go. Here's $400. Here's a burger and a cup of water. You know what I mean? It's 400 bucks. But we were, we were, I told Wendy, I said, don't worry about it. She said, we'll eat here. There's a place right beside here. We'll eat. Well, she got back. And Wendy has the spiritual gift of the weirdest thing on the menu she's getting. All right? I'm just telling you. If it was like toad tonsils, Wendy's like, I'm in. Fry those suckers up. I'll eat them. And so, so Blake said, I want a bacon cheeseburger, like any normal American kid. I want a bacon cheeseburger, blah, 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 fries, whatever. And so Wendy says, I want a bison burger. I was like, a bison burger? Because I didn't say it out loud because, you know, I'm smart. And so, so she goes, I said, okay, sounds great. Let's eat a bison burger. And so we had a bison burger. And it got me thinking about this point in my message. The bison were used by the Native American Indian. They were. They were used by them. I actually Googled what all they used the bison for. Do you know that almost every ounce of the bison was used by the Native American. Did you know that? They were, let me tell you, they used the skin for clothes and blankets and quilts, all those kinds. They used the muscles, of course, for meat. They used the things that connect the muscles. They used those things for string to tie things with. Isn't that crazy? They used their hooves for glue and hatchets and bells 
They had they used their hoof bones. They were utilized for all kinds of other reasons. Their ribs, what they would do with their ribs is they would take them and they would use them as scrapers, all right, to tenderize the meat. How bad is that? Not only did you get killed, but your ribs are being used to tenderize the meat. So isn't that terrible? They used their, uh, um, they, they used their, their, their pelvic bones. They used their rear legs. They used their skull. They used their skull as a bowl for the future use. Isn't that kind of gross? I guess you're out on the range. It's what it was. But anyway, uh, they used them for cups. They used them for fire containers. And here's the grossest part, y'all. They even used their poo to burn things because there wasn't a lot of wood out there on the range. And so they would use poo-poo to burn stuff. They used every aspect of the bison. And I'm sitting there eating it on Friday, thinking about all this stuff, especially the poo. And I was thinking, this kind of tastes like poo. If you don't know the truth about it, it's kind of dry. But anyway, so they used all those things. Can I tell you something? That's the exact same thing that God does with the situations the stuff that you have gone through in your life and the stuff that you will go through, that's the exact same thing that God does for you and for me. He uses every single bit of it. He uses every single bit of it. You know, James 1 says this. James 1 says, we need to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. We need to consider it joy because what this trial is doing is it's deepening and maturing our faith. We need to consider it joy. A lot of us look at trials as something that, oh my gosh, I need to avoid that at all costs. I want to tell you something. The majority of the time, and people don't want to hear this, the majority of the time, just like in the Old Testament with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, they went into the fire, and the majority of the time, God doesn't deliver you from the fire. He walks through the fire with you. He wants to use every aspect of your life, both good, both bad, every aspect. Listen, I'm not saying that every aspect of your life is His will. I'm not saying that, because God doesn't will for us all these bad things that end up happening sometimes. But I want to tell you this. He can use it if you'll give, him, give, give yourself up to him and if you'll give it over to him. He'll use it for your good. He will. He'll use it for your good. This is what's happened to me. I actually crammed four years of college into 10. All right? I know. I know. I was an overachiever back in the day, y'all. I tell you what. I tell you what. Um, I did. Because I had to work my way through. And so I would say, you know, you guys know whenever you go to apply for something, they said, hey, can you send your transcripts? And it usually costs like five or ten bucks. Man, I had to take out a second mortgage to do my transcripts. It's like, you know, five dollars here, twenty dollars there. I was like, good Lord, man, it's cost me a hundred bucks just to apply here. What's, what's going on? I went to so many colleges. You could count, in Tennessee, you could count the number of colleges I didn't go to more than the ones I did because I took a class here and a class there and I jumbled all those things up. And what ended up happening was I ended up going, I, I did, I crammed, I crammed four years into 10. And when I did that, I worked. You know how I worked at? I worked in a mental hospital for a while. I did. I worked with adolescents for a while. I worked with adults for a while. I worked with people that had 
had uh, mental illness and that had memory problems and that had all these different ailments. I worked with all those people for years and years and I developed an empathy for those people, for their struggles. And then I went and I worked uh, at at a children's home type place and I I worked there for years and I I worked there doing administration and, and helping lead a ministry and helping raising funds for a ministry, and starting new programs, and doing all those things. And then I decided I would go teach, and so I taught for four years in the public school. I did that. I went and taught in the public school. I went back and got a master's degree and taught in the public school for four years, and God called me into church ministry, and so I moved to Georgia, and I started doing children, uh, student ministry, and I did student ministry up until a couple years ago, and now here we are now. But can I tell you something interesting? God has used Every single job that I have had for this position, he has. You see, when I was working all those 10 years, when I crammed four years into 10, Wendy and I, we did marital counseling with people, and we talked to them about their marriage and their lives. We did counseling with kids and and women and men and, and and with little children and, and, and teenagers. And, and we, talked about, we talked about various things with them. And we learned those things. And being an administrator of a nonprofit uh, for, for several years helped me understand what it took to do something like this. Can I tell you what I believe? I believe that God saw everything. And he looked back on my life and took everything and said, this is the calling that I have for you. And so when it came time to plant real church, it wasn't something that was fearful. I wasn't fearful. I was ready. And in the last year and a half, what I've seen is, is that God's taken every little thing in my life and used it. And can I tell you something? I think he's done the same thing in your life. Because I've talked to you and I've I've shared with you my story and you share with me yours. And God will allow you to go through things sometimes because he will use it if we allow him to have it. Which brings me to the second point. Not only for what will God use everything and give it a purpose, the reason he does bless us and give us more and want more for us is because we are to glorify God with it. Are you with me? We are to glorify God with it. That means that our life reflects who God is. That's what it means. It reflects who God is. It doesn't reflect who we are. It reflects who God is. I want you to hear this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. It says, do you have, we have it up there. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. And then it asks another question. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that who supplies, that God supplies. Then everything, listen to this, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. A lot of us do this, and I'm guilty of this sometimes. A lot of us sometimes will use the Bible as a self-help book. And I want you to understand something. The Bible is not a self-help book, all right? It's not a self-help book. It is a surrender book 
where when you read it, you realize who God is and Holy Spirit opens your eyes and suddenly you decide that the life that God wants you to have is better than the life that you think that you need or that you've been living. And what you do is you turn those things over to him. And when you turn those things over to him, then what you do is, is your life begins to reflect who God is. You're glorifying God with your life. And that's why he wants you to have more. He doesn't want you to have more because, he, listen, people, and preachers say this all the time. I've heard it on TV all the time. God wants to bless you. He does want to bless you, just like you want to bless your children. But you don't want to bless your children because, because you want them to have a bigger car. You want to bless them because you love them and you want them to see the value in who they are so that then they'll turn around and see the value in who God is. That's why you do it. And that's why God does it as well. He blesses us so that not only he'll use everything that we've been through, but that we will glorify him. We will glorify him. Listen, our actions are intended to draw people to Jesus. They're intended to draw people to Jesus. The way, the way our hearts are, our actions, our compassion, our giving nature, the way we react to things, all of those things are meant to draw people to Jesus. Not to draw them to you, not to draw them so you'll be a nicer person or so you'll, all that stuff is great. But the final reason that God blesses you and wants you to have more is because he, he wants, he wants you to reflect who he is to other people. It's an overflow process. I've told the students this for years. What God wants to do is, is he wants to pour into you until you overflow onto someone else. I have a friend of mine, at, and I'll never forget, this is etched in my mind. You know, God etches crazy things in your mind. But I, I, we, were, we were doing a, a church that needed a new sign. And so a buddy and I were doing a sign together, okay? Now, when I say I'm doing anything like work related, like a hammer and nail, when I'm doing anything like that, it means that I'm getting the crap and giving it to them. That's what I'm doing, okay? I'm, I'm not very, I'm okay on the pastor part. Mechanically and all that stuff, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty lightweight on that stuff, okay? So, but... He's trying to get this sign straight, and he's way up on this ladder, and I'm holding the ladder. And he's got, a, he's got a hammer and nails, and he's nailing these things in. And I'll never forget it. He took it, and he went, wha-bam, and he hit his thumb. I mean, it was hard. It was hard. I mean, really hard. I mean, I heard it. It immediately turned blue, and he was like, oh, man, that hurt. And I was like, hold up. I'm calling time out. I was in my, my mid to late 20s. I'm calling time out. He goes, what, what? I said, how did you keep from cussing? He said, what you mean? I said, how did you keep from cussing? He said, well, besides the fact that I'm putting up a church sign uh, and we're in a parking lot here and there's people around, I said, I wouldn't matter to me. How did you keep from cussing? And I'll never forget what he told me. And he meant this. And he, he was one of my dear friends. He said, it's no longer who I am. I want to reflect who God is. And I know, I know, that if I were to just blurt out some big old cuss word, I'd feel better for the moment. But everyone else would not see Christ. And that's how he thought and that's how he lived his life. He also told me this. He said, and honestly, you're a project of mine. And I said, I'm a what? He said, you're a project of mine. I'd known him since I was 17. 
I was like 26 at the time. He said, you're a project of mine. I said, I'm a project? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, I, I want to help you grow in your faith. And so me busting out, you know, SOB ain't going to help nobody. You know what I mean? And I've never forgotten that. And he's still a pastor to this day, and we're still friends to this day. I talk to him all the time. And I've never forgotten that he wants to live his life to glorify God. It's what Peter says. Peter says, listen, did God, did, God, did God bless you to teach? Then teach to glorify God. Did he bless you to speak? Then speak to glorify God. Sing, then sing to glorify God. What about, and I love you putting in there helping others. Did he, did he, because most people that help others don't think that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Did he bless you to help others? Then do that to glorify God. You see, God uses everything and he wants us, the reason more what? He wants us to glorify him. But here's the second part. And this is the second part. I want you to hear this. Not only does he use everything, and not only does he want us to glorify God, he wants us to edify others. Edify others. You guys know what edify means? It means to build others up, to lift others up. He wants us to edify others. Can I tell you what most people think and what we've been taught in our life? Go for yourself. Go for yourself. Succeed. Backbite if you have to. Go for yourself. Be the best you you can be. That's what you need to be. That's not in God's equation. You know what God's equation is? Be the best you you can be, and I'll help you get there so that you can not only glorify God, but so you can help other people, so you can build other people up. So I'm sitting at the airport again, craving the bison burger that I will soon partake of. I'm sitting in the airport, and I'm listening. I'm trying to write a message, this message, and I'm listening, and I hear a guy start talking. You guys know there's certain people that are just kind of that guy. He was that guy. He's got the, I don't know who wears a pair of jeans and a, like a dress coat, but I was like, what's this guy doing? Anyway, so he had on like a pair of sandals or whatever. He was, he was like, yeah, go ahead and transfer $4 million over to so-and-so, yeah. And then, then, yeah, no, three million goes here, four million goes there. And he's, he's talking really loud. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm impressed. Hey, you, you go, dude. He's talking really loud. And I noticed something. I noticed something. He was walking back and forth making these loud calls, you know, and he was, but I noticed something. His wife was sitting in the, in the chair there. And here's the thing I noticed about his wife. She was miserable. She was miserable. Her face showed misery. He walked over to sit down in his phone ring again, and she gave the eye roll. And you know what I, I read in her face? It's going to be another one of those trips. All he's going to do is want more and more and more and more and more for himself. I'm telling you. And I sat there with my computer totally creeping on this couple for about 25 minutes. You know, I sat there and I was going, I was watching him, and y'all, she was miserable. He showed her no attention. He didn't talk to her. When it was, it was very short. He'd get back up and start walking back again, come down. Get back up, start walking in. Miserable. Great, he makes all that money. For what? For what? So that the person that he chased and chased and chased and finally married can be ignored while he makes his next deal. 
That's not God's equation. That's not who we're to be. For what? It's incredible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9-11 through 11 says, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that, here's why He died. You ready? Whether we are dead or alive, when He returns, we can live with Him forever. All right, here, verse 11 is the, is the money pitch, all right? So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Christ saved us so that we could not only live with Him forever, so that not only we could glorify God, but so that we could build other people up. Romans 14, 19 says this. It says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify or build each other up. Let us pursue the things that make peace and that build each other up. Let us pursue those things. Edifying means how we respond to those around us. Edifying means being open to sharing our stuff. I'm going to tell you this. and I, People disagree with me on this, but I'm sorry. I think you're wrong. Um, when Wendy and I go to buy something, be it big or small, but especially large purses like our home, you know, vehicles, we, we, we say this, God, this is your car. And God, if there are people that need to use your car, God, we give it to you. God, this is your house. And God, if there are people that need to stay here or use your house, we give it to you. God, this is your money. And God, if there are people that need it, we give it over to you. I've heard people say all the time, oh man, but I work hard for my money. The reason you work hard is because you have the ability to do so. There's other people that don't have the ability to work hard. They can't walk at all. They can't drive at all. They can't do anything at all. The only reason you're able to do it is because God's blessed you to do it. We get so puffed up in our own selves and we think that we are the ones that are making all this stuff happen. And I'm here to tell you it's not true. What's making all this happen is a loving God that cares about you enough to watch over, protect, and guide you. And he wants you not only, he wants to use everything, and he wants you to glorify God, but he also wants you to build other people up. I'm sure some of you guys saw the pictures we had from Maine, right? Some of y'all saw the pictures I posted. Everybody put, oh, those are so great. And you're probably sitting there thinking, how does this dude, how can he afford all this stuff? All right? How can he afford to go see these beautiful places and this big old house that he stayed in and stuff? Well, here's the story. And I want to tell you the story because it goes to my point. I also experienced the same week I experienced the guy in the airport talking about millions going back and forth. I experienced another person as well. I did. Johnny and Susie are people that invited us to come up and stay in this place in Maine, all right? The place we stayed at rents out for four grand a week. We paid nothing, okay? 
Not only did we pay nothing, but Johnny and Susie, when we got there, invited us over for appetizers and things one night because they wanted to meet us. They wanted to meet and talk to us. And we spent a couple of hours on their back patio, on their back porch area, their back deck. And y'all, when I say their back deck looks over the Atlantic Ocean, it looks over the Atlantic Ocean. Huge rocks. I mean, beautiful views, beautiful flowers everywhere. They've got it all. Yet let me tell you something about them. It's evident to me that they don't view their stuff as their stuff, but they're willing to share it with other people. They were so happy that we were happy. They were so excited that we were there. As a matter of fact, we couldn't take them up on it because of our schedule, but they even set up golf tee times that they were going to cover with rental clubs and everything for my brothers and I. And we couldn't take them up on it. The schedule wouldn't allow it. We would have loved to, but we couldn't. That's the kind of people... They were even saying, hey, listen, when you guys come next year, what we want you to do is, is blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm in. Right? Those are the kind of people. Listen, this guy could probably write a check for 100 million bucks and never feel it. The owner of an oil company, I think he's got some margin, y'all. Can I tell you something? You'd have never known it. You'd have never known it. He was so focused on whether or not I had a Coca-Cola or whether or not these Wendy ate mussels, which to me is just so gross. If you guys want to eat snot, go for it, but I ain't eating it. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me, man. Here, have some snot and a cracker. I said, I'm good. I'm good. Bug free. No. But they had all this food. She steamed all this stuff. I mean, it was an incredible thing for us. And they were constantly checking us. Not only that, when we got there, he drove over one of his vehicles. So we had two vehicles, two SUVs there that we could use all week for free, for nothing. For nothing. Why? Because he realized that what he'd been given was not his. That God had given it to him. And I asked my brother Jeff, I said, has he always been like this? He goes, yep, that's all he always is. He's always that way. He's always that way. Every day he called, hey, what did you guys do today? Gosh, you guys should try this or try that. You would really, your brothers would really enjoy this. He was truly invested in our joy. And that's the same way that God wants you to be in other people's lives. God wants to use all the things that you've went through in your life. He wants to use it all. And he wants to use it all to give you more. And when he does, he wants you with your life to glorify him and to edify other people. Let me pray for y'all. Lord God, I'm so thankful for the fact that you love us enough to challenge us to be better people more holy. Lord, your word, your word is an awe-inspiring and changing thing that we can't understand. God, let us be people. Let us be people that glorify you with our lives. 
Let us be people that reflect who you are in our lives. Let us be people that when people see us, let them say, that guy, I don't know what he's got, but I want to talk to him about it. God, let us be people that build other people up, that don't tear them down, that build other people. Let us be people that, that because of what we've experienced being close to you, God, let us be people that pour that out on the other people. God, give us spiritual eyes to see the needs of hurting people around us and meet those needs. And God, here's the thing. As you do that, we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Lord, let us be people that throw ourselves into this river that you call life and know that you have us and that we can trust you. Lord, we know we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.